it's easy to love someone like on the sunny days, you know, yes. but I still stand by and love them, you know, through the storms and through the rainy days. And we need to really understand each other's, you know, good as well as our shadows. Assalamu alaikum. Hello. This is Your Truth is Calling podcast. I'm your host, Nadira Razak. I am a wife, a mother, a seeker, and a life and business coach. This podcast is about tuning in to that small, quiet voice within that urges you to really follow your soul's calling. And this podcast aims to bring you solo episodes and interviews with other special humans who have followed this calling, no matter how out of the box it may have been. We'll share stories about how God's grace is working through their lives and how they have the courage to really put one foot in front of the other and build a life that is fulfilling, meaningful, and filled with a sense of play and wonder. I started this podcast because I was at a point in my life where I'd achieved what I wanted to achieve as a coach, yet something still felt missing. I knew I wanted to feel utterly and truly alive and connected to other beautiful human beings. This podcast helps you navigate this quest where you feel like you've arrived and now there's a whisper that this isn't it. There's chaos again and you have to start over. So this is about new beginnings pivots and finding those breadcrumbs of delight and surprise along life's journey. And I hope that you will tune in, whether it's on your walk, on your drive, going to the gym, however it is that you listen to this podcast. I hope it sparks something in you so that you get the courage to just go for your dreams, to trust those moments of insight and alignment so you can take action on the things that matter to you. I hope you'll share this podcast with your friends and keep in touch with me about the things that are on your heart so we can have a conversation about navigating this beautiful thing called being a human. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome everybody to the Your Truth is Calling podcast. I'm so excited today. It's actually Muharram. So it's a new moon. It's a new year in the Islamic calendar. And I cannot think of a better way to spend my lunchtime talking to this amazing guest we have today, Ruzna. Kamur. So I'm going to introduce you to her, introduce her to you formally with her bio, and then I will let you know how we met and connected before we share a story. So Ruzna Kamur, an Australian Muslim woman, embodies a remarkable journey as a single mother, physiotherapist, and wellness enthusiast. Her unwavering dedication to personal growth and continuous learning has fueled her success amidst numerous challenges. Grateful for the guidance of several coaches and mentors, Rizna's transformative experiences have shaped her into the inspiring individual she is today. Her greatest joy lies in empowering others to cultivate resilience, self-worth, and a deep appreciation for their well-being. Through her teachings, she encourages individuals to embrace a vibrant, conscious existence where happiness and a strong connection to the divine are at the core. Welcome to the Your Truth is Calling podcast, Rosnan. Thank you for making time for us and being here because when, um, if I share with guests how we met, I was actually, I think, posting little highlights of the podcast because it is launching in a week's time officially. And one of my followers had seen it. I was waiting for it to come out and she came into my DMs and said, I, I really think you should interview this lady. And she gave me Rusna's handle on Insta. And then I started watching a little bit of her lives and she has an amazing story, mainly her weight loss journey journey is shared on the Instagram handle right now. But just in talking to her before our interview today, 
and finding out like how she got into this line of work and how she just started sharing and, and all the, it's not about just a weight loss journey, but like transformation on so many levels. And I think we've just got such a rich, like a tapestry to weave in today because there's many, many angles that, you know, her story is just remarkable to share. So thank you for being here, Rosna. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. That was so sweet. And it's an absolute honor to be here. Thank you so much for giving the opportunity to share my story. Oh, thank you. So, Rizna, I think we'll start with, so what's on your Instagram? People can kind of go and see, right? You've got this amazing before and after um, of you had, you know, put on all this weight, I think post-marriage and things like that. And you had moved to another country and you were sharing a little bit about that in our pre-interview chat. And I think I'd like for people to start there because there is this richness of you were in Morocco for that part of your journey when all of this, the weight gain happened. Maybe just start there of like, how did Rizna go from being this woman who was, you know, and you and you had to apply to get into the high school that you got into, right? It's one of those top high schools in Melbourne. You said, how did a girl like that end up in this space? And you were kind of asking yourself that question when your story started to un- unravel and you started on a transformational journey. So maybe go back to that place where you were in Morocco, because I think it's, it's beautiful because you're an Australian woman, but like, how did you end up there? Talk, maybe start there for us today. Yeah, subhanAllah. So um, my ex-husband was Moroccan. And, um, yeah, when we got married, it was just really interesting. Like I, I couldn't speak Arabic um, at the time and I had to learn Arabic. He couldn't speak English. And um, part of our journey was having to go through the whole visa process and things like that. And I ended up having to do a few trips out to Morocco. And I absolutely love Morocco. I think it's just such a beautiful country with such a rich Islamic history and their own cultural heritage, which is just amazing. Um, So I went out there and they're real foodies out there and I'm a foodie. (laughs) my my ex mother in law, you know, constantly say that you know you're too skinny. We need to fatten you up. <laughs> and over in our place, there were many mirrors around, like in terms of full body mirrors. <laughs> like you'd you'd have the mirror that you'd look at with your face, and then I was um I was like wearing jalabas, like <laughs> when I was out there, I wasn't really caring about what I what my body was looking like, and no one was commenting. <laughs> But I was getting fed, 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 fed. And I was also loving the food and trying all the sweets and things like that. And so I actually had put on about 10 kilos on my first trip out there. Um, And I was there for about three months, I think. And I didn't realise until I got home and I went on the scales and I was like, oh, my God. Because when when all you're wearing is really baggy clothes and and my face, I have a a little tiny face. So I I rarely notice when my face because it, it takes a lot for my face to start putting on weight. So <laughs> so that's what happened. And then once that had happened and we were doing long distance um, with our relationship while we were waiting for his visa to get accepted, I was, I was staying up really, really late at night trying to coincide with when he was up. I wasn't sleeping properly. My, my sleep was totally out of whack. I was extremely stressed as well because things, you know, weren't settled and I was, I was eating a lot. I was just eating my stress away. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think, yeah, it, it didn't really 
occur to me that it was a big like I think I would go on yo-yo diets like mm-hmm. occasionally be like oh this is getting a bit much and I'd like go really really hard and like yeah. I'd lose you know most of the weight but then I would just put it back on again it, it wasn't actually staying off yeah. and I, I really I got to a point where I really had become just so disheartened and I just you know didn't think I was ever going to be um how I was before and yeah. I was quite health conscious and I was wow. um you know, someone who was quite active and I was finding it really difficult to even keep up at work um, as a physiotherapist. And, yeah, after a while it's like, okay. <laughs> and then I had a child. And then I had a child on top of it all and wow. put on extra weight on top of that with the pregnancy. And then um, I had some severe complications with my pregnancy. And, it, yeah, I was I was very, very unwell. I had cesarean section and, mm. you know, was just coping with dealing with this newborn who was born eight weeks early. He was preemie. Mm. Yeah, so he, we had the whole NICU journey. <laughs> wow, we didn't one, even but... talk about that in our pre-interview oh, chat. Yeah. But I think what I found remarkable was when you shared with me, we were talking about how like when you went to Morocco, you also have this like, you know, entrepreneurial side. So you had oh. built up a successful in, in the wellness space. So I think most people would have heard about doTERRA and stuff. And you said you were a consultant and you actually had passive income to you know, in order to like live on that while you were there. And I thought that was pretty cool. Could you share with us how, because that, so there was this simultaneous love story happening and the relationship journey. And then there's this entrepreneurial side of you. And I, I found out that you're also Sri Lankan <laughs> and I'm Sri Lankan and we have, you know, a mixed background in terms of my parents, like I'm half burger and, and you're, you know, one of your parents is, oh, yeah, yeah, half Singhalese. And I thought it was such a rich background. So can you talk to us about how the the entrepreneurial side of you came into this picture? Like, did you just like dabble in that because you're a physiotherapist by profession? How did you get into, yeah, testing the waters in the entrepreneurial space whilst you were doing well, the whole relationship I thing? Had, I had actually started my getting into like the doTERRA business sphere when I was introduced to some essential oils by my sister. I have I was going through a pretty tough time in my life at that time. I'd been through some severe trauma and um, I was very, very sick um, with like a chronic chest infection and I tried two courses of antibiotics. They weren't helping and then my sister was like, here, why don't you try this bottle? And for a while I was like, what is that? <laughs> uh, is the evidence base behind it? I don't want, your, you know, your voodoo oil. <laughs> I could tell she was trying to sell it to me and I was just like, go away. I don't want a bar of you. And then I tried this. I'm like, I'll just keep it quiet. All right, all right, all right. I'll put this oil on and subhanAllah, like for the first night in about a week, I actually slept through the night. I wasn't coughing. And I was like, "Hmm, maybe we're kind of onto something. And then I spent about nine months like trying the oils for different things and then like just it just happened that I started sharing with friends at that time and um, and things grew. And I was like, my dream was always to be able to stay home if I had kids, to be able to have an income that I didn't have to worry about going so this out. this pre-kid. Did you do yes. this before you got married and before you had <laughs> So you had this vision for like when I'm at home, <laughs> I would like to have some income that allows me to work from home. Say no to passive income. Like yeah. I was always so that. Like wow. um, I liked 
having time flexibility. And I think, you know, yeah, it was just such a blessing being able to travel three months the first time, six months the next time and not have to worry about work. And and I actually was able to live off the income there and come back with savings. So I was like, this is amazing. This is awesome. And, yeah, we were really living it up over there too. (laughs) (laughs) The bankroll. And how did you, um, was it, do you think it was just your natural enthusiasm because obviously you'd used the product so you had that that evidence was like you had belief in it and so you just did what was natural to share with you. I read the books and I was like oh there's a scientific base to this and I was like this isn't something so new it's actually part of herbal medicine that has been around for thousands of years before pharmaceutical drugs came in and I'm not anti-pharmaceutical drugs like I think there's for everything but Mm. for me it was like well if there's you know a, a you, uh, if you if you make sure you know how to use it safely and there's a natural alternative, I'll give that a go first. And yeah. if that doesn't work, you know, I'll, I'll try other things. It's just for, you know, the common issues that we come across. So, yeah, yeah I started sharing it and it really took off at that time. And, like, I have some people in my team who are very successful now, far more successful than me. Um, and, yeah, I was very, um, like, dedicated back then. Like, and I had the time, I had you know, the enthusiasm and I, I focused. And did you do that whilst you were studying physiotherapy or were you already a physiotherapist? I'd already graduated. So I was working part-time and I was doing the business part-time. Oh, and and cool. yeah, so it was, it was it fun. Worked. Intense. It was fun. <laughs> and, and then, you know, and then maybe like two or three years into it, um, I ended up getting married to my, and yes. did you did you leave the business then on the side and just dedicate your whole self to adjusting to married life and things like that and just let everything go? There. So, yes, he became my project, like just, you know, um, yeah. focusing my all my time and attention. on. I, I, I still kept the business going for like the first year while, while we were long distance. It, it was still happening. But I think my, my main goal was to be able to eventually just leave it and have it running itself and then um, be able to go and just enjoy. <laughs> and alhamdulillah, I can say that I did get to do that for a while. But with these yeah. businesses, you do need to keep keep going with them. Yeah. Um, in order like to put in them. effort. Even though they say it's like passive, there's an active component of putting your life force into it to keep Absolutely. it running Especially passive. If you want to make the bigger numbers, like, you know, so alhamdulillah, like I still get some passive income from it and I still love my oils. Like I have a whole collection and I still <laughs> use them and I still share. But um, I think, yeah, I'm, I've got other responsibilities now. There's, you know, I can't take as much risk when it comes to my income because it's not just me. Yes. But I'm taking care of I've got a little yeah. one. Yeah. And you were talking about like when we were chatting about how you were, like I was just, thinking how amazing is this woman like she learned Arabic in order to be able to communicate with the spouse right what was that like for you like learning a new language to be able to speak like I know because we're Muslim background we learn Arabic okay to like recite the Quran and things like that and you had like a madrasa teacher background as well which I thought was amazing like this woman of like many passions and wearing many hats right and how did you how did that go with the language learning process of being able to actually communicate with another human who is a spouse, you know, it's not just like give me directions to get to the market or something. It was this is more, you know. Um, yeah. I, I don't really want to learn Arabic. Um, I, I, 
I was good with languages. Like, alhamdulillah, I did, like, Indonesian in high school. I learned Sinhalese once I was already, like, you know, 18 or something. Um, like, by sitting down with my cousins and being like, okay, that's it. Like, I need to learn this language. I, 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 I'm sick and tired of looking stupid <laughs> whenever I go on holidays over there. And so I'd always wanted to learn Arabic, so it was like a good opportunity to be able to do that. So, um, What was your I, strategy? Was it like an online process or did you have like a tutor or how did you go about learning for speech? I, I could, again, I could read Quran mm. and um, I learned Fusha Arabic. That's what okay. he used to speak to me in, Fusha, so it wasn't like colloquial. And I think a lot of it, I had done like a couple of like, one or two day courses, like an overnight. I don't know if you've heard of Arabic Made in China with Imran. No, no. Uh, say that Imran again, Rosna. Arabic Made in China by who was the Lisa Buckley? I'm not sure if they're still running the program, but they were sort of launching this introductory program, and I was one of their their test subjects. <laughs> one of the guinea <laughs> pigs. In two days, we did this intensive where we we were able to speak some very basic sentences after that, and it was really awesome. And so yeah. I had that little yeah. foundation. Yeah. And then I think, yeah, to be honest, you know, what better way to learn a language than <laughs> absolute necessity? So there was a lot of Google Translate <laughs> and it was literally like hand signals pointing to things and I learnt through my ex actually a lot. Yeah. Like, And after a while it just, yeah, you just pick it up. Yeah. And alhamdulillah, like I haven't practised for a while. It's been a while since <laughs> I've actually used that. But um, it was, it was, yeah, it was a a great experience, to be honest, to be able yeah, to have yeah. learned that. And I, I, I don't speak like fluent Fusha, like it's not grammatically correct. Yeah, but, but they get the message. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, like a five-year-old level, like being able to string words together and you can understand what they're trying to say. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things you were talking about as well, because through that process, you know, you learned that because this podcast is all all about like how did we tap into heart guidance, you know, in getting to where we want to go? And I felt like in parts of your story, you talked about that self-abandonment a lot. And I think a lot of listeners can relate to crucial points in their life when maybe they had some signals that something was not quite right or um, something popped up, but they kind of put someone outside of themselves as an authority figure saying they must know better in this decision and you kind of check out of yourself and forget to check in with your own heart before going for something whether it's big sometimes it's small things but for you um Rizna like I felt like you have such a story to share there for like not as like a like here's what I did or maybe here's what not to do because I learned you know in the muscle what yeah. this can turn out. And you talked about, you know, two people could be two incredible people, but they might not be compatible. Could you talk to us about that love story? Because you also said, you know, your parents had an epic love story and you just thought, oh, that's what I'm going to have. And I thought I was in love. Could we, is it okay for us to share that with listeners? However, yeah. However you'd like to bring it in yeah. and the gems of, yeah, what you learned from that journey. Okay, yeah, sure. What I've learned through my life is, um, like, I lived a very protected childhood, like, and I was in a bubble, like, throughout my teens as well, working in youth groups, always being, you know, protected by my my Muslim community, madrasa teacher. I had no brothers, right. and um, and I have actually been married 
twice and I've been through my second divorce um, maybe three years ago. And so I think for me, yeah, going into that first marriage, I was very much like completely, and I went to a girls' school, <laughs> like in high school. <laughs> and were as you well. just out of like when you did you get married after you finished university or yes. early? So okay. Pretty much, yeah, like the first year out of uni, like halfway through the year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you and you knew you wanted to study physiotherapy. There was no like, I want to study this and then I want to study that because I might even dive into that story a little bit later. Oh, yeah, in Sri Lankan, of course, you're always pushed towards medicine first, right? <laughs> um, and I think, you know, my parents would have loved for me to go that way. But I was like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, really? I had always wanted to have children. And I was like, I don't want to yeah. be studying for the rest of my life before I become a specialist, before I yes. can actually, you know, work at something. I'd rather do something that bachelor degree over and done with and I could potentially work. open up and practice. Yes. Yeah. Which is what I actually did. Like graduated yeah. and I did open up my own practice. Like That's pretty amazing. early. On. So I you went, didn't work for someone else. In I worked there. in one for a bit, and then an opportunity came up for me to open my own. <laughs> I was so crazy. confident, so confident back then. I'm just like thinking back to it now. I'm like, geez, girl. I like that. I think when you're in the start of a journey. We can be like, we see things with rose colored glasses. We see the possibilities and everything. And I, I don't want to take that away from anybody because I think if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have tried the things that we had to go through and all our lessons and challenges. Everything is a lot of beauty in that newness and hope. I think you come out with a lot of hope and possibility energy. And I like, I love that. I would never snuff that out. So you knew you wanted to get married young. Like at that yeah, time, it was just like the right the thing to do, or that was what was being done in the community. Or, well, I, I like my sister had gotten married before she finished uni, so my parents right. were like, "That's not happening to you," because she had a child and and then another one, and then she took a long time to finish her degree because of it. And so they were like, <laughs> "Let's just like you know let now have a bit of freedom <laughs> while she's at uni. We're not going to you know mollycoddle her too much because we don't yeah. want to run off with with a guy just to get out of the house." <laughs> and so that's what happened and then yeah when I finished I was like okay and and there were you know a lot of offers at that time and um and I'd watched the Disney movies I'd watched the rom-coms I just thought hey you know I've done I've done the Islamic marriage courses like I'm more you know you just so you had that preparation too like you actually even took the courses that's amazing you're like such an incredible student like you're one of those people who you know you ace it yes exactly there's such a difference between doing a course when you've actually got experiential knowledge compared to doing it going oh you know if I'm in that situation it's very hard to really absorb some information sometimes unless you've actually lived through it or you're given really practical example you're, it's a co- it's a concept in your head isn't it they're just exactly. giving you concepts it's like okay well I guess exactly. that's what it is and you just theorize everything as opposed yeah. to you don't have the lived experience to back it up and my parents had like they had like eloped and they had stayed together and been each other's rocks you know mm. for years but just really mashallah to butterfly may Allah always protect them like you know really just loved each other and and been through a lot together, like, you know, to fight for each other. And so I just thought, you know, I hadn't actually seen anyone go through divorces around me at that time and it had no one had in in our family. So Mm. I literally went into something thinking that I was marrying the love of my life and we were just going to be together forever. And um, unfortunately it didn't work out that way. And three months in, 
like it was over and I was absolutely shattered, absolutely devastated. And it, it was very traumatic for me, that whole experience yeah. going through it. And um, it was through that then that I, you know, I actually went into depression. I had to work with psychologists and um, I started like dedicating myself to even more Islamic studies as well with, wow. with um, other learned scholars and things like that. And yeah, came out of it actually as I was embarking on the doTERRA journey and um, and building up the business really helped me to just so focus they, my the, doTERRA was like a transition point. You'd just yes. come out of this um, and it was like seeing new life being breathed into you again. It was like the business gave you some wings yeah, and a lot of beauty 100%. and connections and I'm sure like friendships coming out of, especially if you were in that downward spiral, you would have been like to yourself a lot or not coming um, up for air. I've like I've had an amazing, and I still do. I have an amazing group of friends who have, who have always so been. They there. were like your little posse. You were yeah, hermiting yeah, with them, them and my yeah. Posse. yeah. <laughs> so I had them, and they were just incredible, and they still are. And so I'm alhamdulillah, very blessed in that way. Mm. My sisters from other misters. <laughs> and so I had that, and so mm. yeah. But I think it was just having purpose and and something. Oh no. You've gone mute. <laughs> there you go. So having purpose is where we stopped. So you said Sorry. it's about having purpose. And purpose then- is something to focus on. I think I should have been on aeroplane moment. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, um, and so, yeah, so the doTERRA kind of- thing was where you had this drive now and a sense of purpose to put energy into because yes. you said before um, – that your ex like he was like a project right and there was I felt like when we were talking you said there's a lot of masculine energy right because you were having to like do the provider thing of like trying to I work out the visas second one okay yeah cool all right maybe yeah, we can transition like, into that in a different way like okay yeah um it was more just like literally I put myself absolutely last and it was just all about this other person and their family to the point where I was, you know, just not even realising that, like, I didn't exist, I didn't matter, only they did. And um, and it was not like someone told you that, isn't it? It was just something like you just assumed that role, which is yeah. really interesting. Because that's what I thought devotion was. That's wow. what I thought love was. Um, and that's what I had possibly seen, I guess, like, you know, I thought if you love someone, my my language of love language was acts of service. It was, right. you know, doing and giving. And it was only through this journey realizing these things, these patterns that have come up that I've learned about masculine and feminine energy. Yes, and I so want you to bring that up because I think you're when I look at your um Instagram profile and start to listen to some of your, you know, Instagram lives, you do talk about that feminine energy versus the masculine energy a lot. And I feel like all the coaching that you took as well has made you see how those roles played out. So can you share how, whether it was in your second marriage or whether it was after that ended where you started to kind of notice all the patterns or just, yeah, talk us through once the sense of purpose came out. I I don't feel like that was the sole reason the first marriage ended, that there were, there were other factors with that one. However, um, Again, I've I've always like married cross culturally as well. Mm, yes. And so 
you know, when when I've realised compatibility is so, so huge and making sure that you really know somebody and their family and what you're really getting into when you when you choose to marry someone and knowing they're, it's easy to love someone like on the sunny days, you know, yes. but I you still stand by and love them, you know, through the storms and through the rainy days. And we need to really understand each other's, you know, good as well as our shadow sides and yes. um, be prepared to love and accept you know, through all of that. And I think a lot of young people, especially young Muslims, you know, who are trying to do the right thing by Allah, um, get a lot of encouragement and push. Like I had gone on a rihla um, in Spain and there were a lot of shiuch there just, you know, promoting so marriage. a rihla for anyone who's not Muslim, is that a spirit, does it mean spiritual retreat or does it, okay. So, so you went on a spiritual retreat, yes. Yes, I went on a spiritual retreat and there were all these scholars there who were just promoting you know, marriage is completing half your your dean, your half your religion, and get married and don't delay. If you find someone who's good and they, you know, they're they've got their religion. So what are we interpreting having religion as? It's like you know, praying, fasting. Okay, they seem like a good person. You know, don't put up barriers. Just go for it. Right. And so I was, I had formed that pattern where at that time I was like, well, you know, I I. I tr- I trust this person, I'll just go for it. But I had actually done a prayer of God for Isikhara, for guidance from Allah, and the signs were there that it wasn't necessarily going, And but I would, but plans were made. Uh-oh, oh, I can't back So out. you yeah. overrode. So was that the people-pleasing side coming out when you say plans were made? Like That's maybe the- on the other side? Yeah, and even on the day of the event, things were just not going well and, no one was just going, hang on a second, maybe we need to stop this and rethink, you know. But it was just like, you know, but just go through with it. Just go through with it. Go with the flow. Even though you're not feeling so good. Even though Do you, you remember, it, could you, I don't know if you can drop into what you were feeling at the time, like describe maybe a scene where you felt the feelings and you you just kind of tried to ignore it because you're like, well, the plans were made. That's so... I want to highlight that. It's like the plans were made, so I can't possibly speak up now and change it. Or what were you, yeah, what would you say to that younger self who was feeling, do you remember a time where Um, you were like, oof? I think I remember like, subhanAllah, one one thing I've learned is sometimes you can really fall for the idea of someone. Like, Mm. well, you think they are, how they might make you feel, you know, with the idea of how they are, even just, with written communication rather than actually spending time face-to-face. Right. And um, I just remember being in a situation where everything was amazing when it was all emails and it was all long distance. And right. While I was on Rehla and things like that, but then face-to-face, it might not have necessarily felt Something that same way. wasn't clicking. Yeah. But- yeah, I was just kind of like, is this because I have zero experience? Like, but, you know, but I'm like, but, someone's really interested in me like oh, I need wow. to so you are getting that attention and yeah, sense of like significance someone... being poured out like it's like yeah. eyes on you now and now it's like well what do we do with this yeah. and I was being showered with gifts and and it was like wow. oh this is like the movies it's so romantic you know there's wow. the flowers there's the sweets there's the gifts and 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 also just asking people questions and mm. and taking their answers as word um, without actually giving things time to actually see if they actually walk their talk right. <laughs> rather than just talk it. You mean and the people who said 
this person ticks all the boxes or do you mean the person that you're potentially yeah, seeing the they're person. a good person? Yeah. Like, I feel mm. like this is what should be happening a lot yes. more. Like, be really careful to just make sure that you really know each other before you yes. agree to marry each other, that you yeah. really know each other. And it's not just like, oh, you know, I want to do this. I want to, um, for example, mm. like, you know, I want to be, um, I'm not really the domesticated housewife type, you know. I've I've been educated, I work, like, you know, but, oh, no, I would never want that, you know. If I wanted that, I'd hire a maid or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And so people think, oh, yeah, I wouldn't want that. But then the reality is what are you culturally used to? Right. What standards are you used to having at home? What are your expectations? Because you think you don't expect it, but then if you're not getting your wife to do it, who's doing it? Yes, and who's paying for it? Yeah. <laughs> is there an expectation and that, so, yeah. So you can, like romanticise what marriage will be like when neither of you have experience in marriage and then to actually get married and things get real and yeah. just being able to navigate that and also have like, you know, strategies for how you deal with conflict in marriage and things like that. So I had just actually just been in absolute shock and devastation when the first because three months isn't very long and it like for me it was just socially I felt like the whole community like were mm. looking at me and talking about me and it wasn't really like that but it was in I your head before. you make yeah. it they oh, all eyes are parents, on you yeah and yeah. my parents it was just like you know back then it was just you know considered this shame and it was just like mm. oh you know now she's done um, you know she's she's not as worthy and not as not as valuable as she used to be and wow. it's so funny because like I had friends who would say to me oh you know my brother likes you but I'd never recommend you to him you're too good for him <laughs> and then I I went through this divorce and it's like oh now my brother is asking for you would you consider him wow <laughs> and I was just like okay Wow, you know, it, how did that make so interesting? Yeah, like suddenly you drop down a couple of notches in someone's yeah. eyes, and now now we can like forget about standards. Now it's like that's it. Um, and then the funnel up, so yeah. So there was people pleasing there, and then I was already feeling like so low with my self esteem, and I was consulting with people about how to who had religion, you know. And they were like, oh, don't go see any psychologists. Like, drop them, drop them right now. Like, you know, these psychologists, they can mess up with your head. It's not right Islamically. And so I ended up dropping my psychologist. (laughs) And it's like, I'll take you through, you know, I'll teach you, like, the Islamic way for you to feel better. And so, you know, and I'll recommend you to someone because, you know, uh, I just remember being told that, oh, no, no, the the men in Australia won't want you now. I was 24. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 24 years old, like at your prime and yeah. going, and like was, shutting you down. Yeah, I was, I still had a successful business going. I had, And it was just like, oh, no, no. Um, but, you know, maybe it'll be better for you to marry someone like from overseas. And like his <laughs> the bargain, you know, in this is like he's getting a girl who's married before, but you're going to do the whole visa sponsorship and things so it evens out oh my goodness what it's like a business deal like I know I've heard it like okay marriage is like a contract but this is like all like not in your favor at all and yet you thought they know better because because I was you know outwardly outwardly showing signs of confidence in business and things inwardly my self-worth and the way I, I hadn't even 
thought to go on an app. Like that was so foreign territory to me. And so I just thought, well, this is the best I can do and I don't trust my own judgment anymore because I already got it wrong the first time. And so I'll bismillah, like I can, you know, I can take on anything and try my best to make it work. Like I'd I'd done that with so many things in my life that I thought, okay, well, bismillah, like if Mm. someone you know, is coming recommended if they have their religion. And I and I have to take responsibility. Again, I cannot blame anyone. All I can say is I'm taking responsibility for the fact that I let someone else dictate to me what my worth was, yes. that I let someone else influence me to the point where I, I didn't, you know, think it even worthwhile to look at what my other options were at that time. And the, fun, the funny thing is, is I had other options. They, they started showing themselves, you know, but right after I'd already committed myself oh, and I was so loyal. So I loyal want to slow there. down there. It, that, so that was a pattern, right? I was like, oh, but the plans are already made. You can't break it. Oh, I already committed. I can't backtrack. Is it, I don't know whether it's Sri Lankan brown girl <laughs> training or what we get that we can't, even after reading the signs and even after saying, oh, actually there's better possibilities. Let me just re- regroup for a bit. <laughs> We don't even think that's an option. Isn't that interesting? Well, for me, to be honest, the signs weren't really there. I was literally mm. delusional. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, this can work. Google wow. Translate. And look, there are cases where so it So hang on, work. this was the second time again it yeah. was cross-cultural and you'd have to, yeah. again, not make it easy for you. You'd have to self-sacrifice a bit to make yeah, it work but I was also getting someone who had memorized the whole Quran you know oh, wow so, those so like, yeah so I was kind of like at a point in my life where worldly business-wise financially things were going quite well for me mm. and so I was like maybe I need someone who's more spiritually grounded uh-huh. and I thought like through this whole journey that I've been on it has brought me back to God and back to Allah mm. and realizing that you know of course it's great to respect our scholars and but like Allah's given us this opportunity to worship him directly. Yes. Know? We don't really need a conduit or an in-between. Like, no, we, we don't need to go uh, through, yeah, somebody else. It doesn't mean that, you know, some of these people haven't, you know, these respected people haven't got something amazing to give, but I think it's very, very dangerous when you start letting people run your life, you know. Yeah, you, you them- give up your sense of sovereignty. to somebody else and then you lose your center because it's like where are the boundaries now is this your voice is this my voice is this my heart you know well well, you said it and so I'm worthless like I've lost value you know I'm not as good as I used to be like (laughs) like especially when I had spent so much of my life you know being all about chastity and things Mm. like that for me like having been married and um it was just yeah a real a real hit and now I'm like oh my gosh like you can still be chased and be through multiple marriages and still be chased and still yes. be so worthy and, and be a, a great Muslim and a great asset you know to yeah. anyone's life as well as the community and so alhamdulillah I think this whole journey has just been one from learning how to survive to thrive to to really look at myself as well and take yeah. accountability for how I was showing up and um, to know how to trust your intuition. Yes. And uh, when it came to masculine and feminine energy and polarity in relationships, that was a whole new concept for me because, yeah, I had, I was so confused. I was like, why is this happening to me when I was in a, in a tough place in my life and I was facing single motherhood and I'd been through a separation and 
And I'm just like, I did this and I did this and I did this and I gave this. Like, aren't I doing, like, you know, can't, aren't I doing enough, you know? Mm. And where's the gratitude? (laughs) And subhanAllah, like, after learning about this, I realised how much I was in my masculine energy, how much I put my self-worth on what I was doing, what I was giving, Mm. you know, what I was achieving. And, you know, being able to just be in my body. Yes. foreign concept I was so stuck in my head I wasn't able to be in my body and just feel and just love can you yeah could you give our listeners a tip if they have been running on masculine energy like on fumes for a while it can take a minute to start (laughs) to feel and even inhabit your body and not be dissociating all the time and like being hovering above your body not being in it what did you start to do like at the journey I know one of the things you shared in your um, IG lives was you started to do mirror work and I thought that was so fascinating how you went from a land where there were no mirrors in the house or full length (laughs) to actually having to look yourself in the eyes and you know just loving that being that soul that's in there and you know they say like the window to your soul is like your eyes um talk to us about maybe one of the first things you did to get into that feminine energy again Okay, so I have to I have to give so much credit to one of um, my first relationship coaches that I work with and still do, and she's a great friend of mine as well, and her name is Samia Hassan from Relationship Alchemy. And I used to see her posts pop up on her Facebook page because we had connected through doTERRA prior to that. <laughs> and, and then I was just like, okay, finally I'm like, clearly I'm missing something. I'm like, you know. What I, am I missing? I, I just thought love and be nice to people in your relationships should work you know like where am I going wrong here what's going on <laughs> so you and were open like, to coaching obviously because oh, you tried yeah. everything it didn't work yeah. and you were like in a space of you're open to it now you're in a space to receive because yeah. you've done all the doing and now it's yeah. like I need to receive now from someone like yeah. insights and- wisdom coaching <laughs> yeah and okay. I have previously done some amazing work also with Faisa Yunus, right. um, a coach a as counselor. well. Yeah. Um, she's a life coach. And she had introduced me to certain topics, but back then I was so, so heavily <laughs> in my masculine. I just wasn't getting her. Getting she, it. <laughs> she was like, yeah, you just, you weren't ready to receive the yeah. teaching. Yeah. You, you so can literally love. be cut off from it. It's like the coach is telling you the thing, but because it's whatever inside isn't open yet. Whereas when you met your second coach, it was like there was an opening for it to like filter through now. Something had cracked open. And I think those are moments of grace. You can't plan that. You can't say, oh, it takes this many months to get there. Everyone's on their individual journey. It'll happen when it happens and it's very spontaneous. And that's like Allah's rahmah and mercy. It just comes in whenever it's the moment. And when he wants you to learn something, he'll put that in your heart. SubhanAllah. So yeah, I um so you learned to, to be very honest, you can know all of this and that doesn't necessarily mean your relationship is going to work out because you yes. need to make sure it's strong from the beginning that you have that polarity and the you know that the woman is in her feminine energy most of the time in that relationship before you even start and that the man is in a healthy masculine state as well because if you don't really have that it can be a lot harder and if not sometimes you know it's just not doable to turn that around but it's it's worth giving it a shot so yeah it was um Samia who actually introduced me to the concept because I was just like a million miles a minute <laughs> and then they did this and I was just so focused and I was in my head and she was just like Rizna 
you know, I think we can work well together. But I need, what I'm going to teach you is how to get out of your head and into your body and into your womb space. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> and she's like, and she's like, and I know that this relationship might not have worked and there's absolutely no polarity there. And I was like, polarity? <laughs> I think what's what? that? <laughs> you know, and your energies and this and that. And I just thought, <laughs> this is like, you know, I'm like real, you know, um, <laughs> like very foreign to me. It was like no, none of these concepts I had ever heard before. And so I was like, okay. <laughs> and then um, when we started our sessions, it actually took her a long time, like to get me just in a space where I wasn't like five, like one minute before the session doing a million things and then suddenly go, okay, now we're ready for our session and still in like that work, work, work mode. And she was yeah. just like, she worked on me slowly. She'd get me to do meditations in our sessions. She would get me to just close my eyes. She'd like get into a quiet space. She's like, "Are you re- are you in quiet space?" And I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "No, I don't think you are." <laughs> she called you out on it. I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and even just learning how to prioritize myself. So I was such an overgiver. I was such a a people pleaser and I, I had self-abandoned so much that I was looking after like my nieces and nephew who were in need of like some foster caring like um, with my parents at that time and even when they weren't really my responsibility I was feeling mm-hmm. like they were mine as well as my, my son and financially wow. I was like pouring so much into all these other places uh, apart from myself as well and and energetically I was doing that and I was absolutely spent and even just you know, telling my mum like that I needed her to babysit my my one year old at the time while I could have these sessions was a massive deal for me because I literally thought I had no time for myself. Wow. And so she got me from that space to a place where I was like, I have a session, I really look forward to it as well. <laughs> and I'd be like, Mum, are you coming over? We'd like tally up our times and I'd ask her to come ten minutes before I was supposed mm. to start so I could just start breathing, be. getting yeah. into the zone and learn how to be. And learn how to be. Isn't that interesting how we have to learn how to be? Like, because I spoke to um, a previous guest and it's all about, again, femininity and womb work and all of that. And I learned from her and she took us through a meditation of just like, what if we, when we came out as babies, we like all we were ever needing to be is just to be that there were no expectations put on us. Like this girl is going to be this or this child, this second child is going to be this or whatever. However, we take on that conditioning that the doing is what gives us worth or, you know, it's just such a, it's like we have to come 360. And now it's like, I look at you and I go, there's like, you're so in your feminine and so goddessy and it's beautiful because, and then I feel like that's what the feminine does, right? Like you look at nature and it's beauty, like a rose, like the rose doesn't say, oh, if I stop, like if, if I do this, I'm going to take away from another rose (laughs) or whatever we say to ourselves, like the rose doesn't think that it just keeps blooming. And it's like, oh, like I go with my little five-year-old sometimes past this one neighbor who has beautiful pink roses. And if you're Sri Lankan, you'd know what Faluda is or roaster. (laughs) It literally, he's like, I want the roses that smell of Faluda. And he'll literally stop his scooter, pull the branches off the fence and it's like, just be there for a bit. And I was like, you know how, like, you know, it's like we love on nature and the feminine and it's so rejuvenating. And so when we're in that space, 
things just come to us like insights. Um, your intuition works better when you're in nature. And, you know, so, so did you go from then getting that little bit of babysitting to do your coaching? And then you also simultaneously started working on the weight loss side of things, right? With other like fitness coaches and health coaches. Slowly training me to start showing up for myself in other aspects of my life. And suddenly I can't and I don't have time became, oh, I do have time and I can make it. And even just this little bit of time I invest here is going to free up more time later on mm. because I've been in a better place here. And, and part, yeah, I'm just so grateful to Allah um, for, you know, being part of this journey. And it happened slowly, but, uh, you know, I was also like she was getting me to write love letters to myself. <laughs> so much that I had to work on and, and go through in terms of um, getting rid of limiting beliefs, and um, I got introduced to the concept of inner child work, which mm. is massive. Like these are all things that I'm just like, I'm, and, and I'm subconsciously, I don't even realise like I'm doing this sometimes, but I, I've got a lot of friends who are quite successful in different spheres of life and they're coming to me asking for advice. And wow. I'm, I'm not actually trained as a coach, but I'm sharing from yes. what I know. Yeah. And it's, it's working. And, and I, I think what it is, what's beautiful about you now is that now it's not just like a coach who went and studied something in a particular field. You are like a living embodiment of the work. And I think yeah. that's what's drawing them to you, right? It's like, ooh, yeah. whatever that vibe she's giving up, she must know something because I'm not feeling it, but I feel that she feels it. And people yeah. see that truth now, right? And well, they, they've seen the journey. Yes, like the transformation. Like, you're not the same Rusna you were a couple of years ago. Like, wow. you're like a completely different person. And alhamdulillah, like, I, I'm just so grateful for that. And and they're just like, all right, <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> so now they're curious. And for yeah. me to actually be able to say to people, and this is part of why I ended up launching my, my Instagram page, was yes. because people started pushing me and just being like, just share this. Like <sighs> other women might benefit from it, you know. And oh, so, wow. so like, it happened in your little posse of like just chit chat when you meet yeah. with them and then you got that encouragement from the sisterhood to go, I think there's more of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> need to. Internal voice just going, just share this. Like mm. my friend the other day was saying, you know, she goes, you're one of the, only people I've ever heard talk about their weight loss journey and spend the first three videos not even talking about diet or exercise. <laughs> like, wow. she's like, you know, she goes, people need psychologists for weight loss, not coaches and trainers. Yes. And like, half the things, it's like half the weight is like the burden of like either you're taking over responsibility for things that's not your responsibility, over committing yourself time energy wise or life force to things that aren't aligned for you and once you just let it go and you get out of that people pleasing and you have good boundaries it's like the weight just starts to drop off and your hormones start to balance and you live in alignment with nature it's like it's winter here now and it's like I get sleepy really early now as compared to you know in summer or in spring and we have to kind of trust those rhythms and trust where life is taking you I'm so excited for you Rosna like I feel like you know you'll probably write a book one day or a memoir of your journey because there's so much wisdom and I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart and I feel like you're probably going to get a lot of dms <laughs> from women I can already see it but just saying I'm thank you for sharing so openly. sorry thank you 
I said, I'm in a space where I'm just, I just genuinely love helping and, mm-hmm. and um, offering, you know, anything that I can. So yeah, you know, yeah. you're welcome. And to you're just from, yeah. And you're just remarkable in the fact that like, you're still here and not only do you just survive something, you're thriving, like, you know, in terms That's of something. that overflow, because you've, you've practiced, like you've actually put into practice what you know the wisdom that's come through and found your way through it and now you're out of that spirit of generosity being able to actually put words to it and go oh yeah what did I do oh yeah this is what I did first this is what I did next and so um if you're listening and you want to hear Rizna's wisdom Rizna let people know where they can find you on Insta what's your handle just say it out loud and we'll put it in the show notes I'm so new to how Insta works and everything guys (laughs) so bear with me but my handle is Ruz R-U-Z Talks um, yeah, and so it's Riz Talks. It's literally, yeah, you and, and I, I love how candid it is as well when you're in your car and you're doing it and you're just sharing. It's like, this is your girlfriend coming and telling you <laughs> here's how to do things. I love it. And I feel like I'm still learning Insta as well. <laughs> in between single motherhood and work, yes. when I can find time and something just, you know, resonates with me or I get inspired to share something, then I'll share it. And yeah, um, yeah, I'm, yeah. it's exciting. It's been really quite therapeutic for me doing that. Mm. So I'm like, oh, you better practice what you preach. (laughs) (laughs) It keeps you accountable. (laughs) But, yeah, our feminine energy approach, I think, for us women when it comes to getting gaining our health and our well-being is just the best way to go about it. Yeah, because you could be doing weight loss in a masculine way and get more stressed and your cortisol levels will go up and you won't actually shed the weight or you might shed it and then maybe put it back on because – you're not in a place of alignment with it. And it's not, it's, um, I heard a concept from a somatic um, coach. So someone who works with the body called titration. It's like doing things in little bits so that your body gets used to something, then a little bit more, a little bit more. And I feel like your weight loss journey of transformation when you shed like 25 kilos, that's amazing. I know you start talked about 10 kilos at the beginning of the story, but 25 kilos and you had that before and after shot. I was like, wow, everybody needs to know, like get to know what you did so that, you know, they can share with you their before and afters. And thank you for being such a light, Rosna. Thank you for sharing so generously. Um, you're incredible. Um, Alhamdulillah. And thank you to Amani from Zen Mothering for connecting us or otherwise <laughs> I wouldn't have known to follow you. So yeah, so you can, you know, get the show notes for this episode and I will be on Instagram just there. I think when we, when we put this episode out, you're going to have lots of new friends <laughs> wanting to be part of your circle and story. Thank you so much Rosa, oh, for coming on so the Your Truth is Calling podcast. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Your Truth is Calling podcast with Rosna Kamur. Wasn't she just amazing, you guys? I just loved how much wisdom there was in this episode, especially if, you know, you've had some challenges in relationship or your self-worth has had a hit because someone made you feel a certain something about yourself that wasn't even true. And all of that you know, personal journey that you go through to reclaim those parts of yourself. I felt like we just covered so much in this episode about 
how to not give your power away, how to really trust those moments of intuition and insight, even if everything around you is giving you alarm bells and nobody else is saying anything for you to reclaim those parts of yourself where you can admit to yourself that something is not right and have a voice and have a say to stop and rethink and redirect things so that you are actually following your heart and, and that inner guidance that's telling you, hey, there must be another way to do this. Something's not right here. I feel like there's so much wisdom that you can go and, you know, follow Ruz Talks on Instagram where Rosna shares about her story. And you guys, as creators and people who put out content, I really want you to, if something moved you, let that creator uh, of that content know that it's touching you in some ways because I feel like we all go through dips. Like, I mean, even for me, like I have weeks where I'm on a high and it's really easy to put things out. And then sometimes, you know what? We get sick or we get the flu or spring doesn't really gel with our energy. <laughs> it's like me. Like, I love everything that leads up to like winter and then my energy gets a dip and then I know, okay, it's time to go on holidays. But, you know, there's still a presence and and, and there's still this expectation to put things out and we all have our down days. And so I want you to encourage each other. So if you know someone who's creating something and you like their stuff, tell them, Um, tell Rosna if, if, you know, her stuff is moving you because it really helps when we have those down days and we need a little encouragement to put ourselves out there again because we're human. You know, we don't have access to like consistent energy and we're learning how to do this thing of putting um, content out there so um, also if you are in the market for creating your own passion project and tapping into maybe what's stirring inside of you and what's alive in you but you have no idea how to bring that out because maybe you're multi-passionate and you love all sorts of things and you need some guidance and direction. I have been feeling this energy building in me to want to run a live workshop on Zoom where we can come together and I have an opportunity to listen to your individual paths and what's moving in you so I can listen for it and bring it out. I feel like that's one of my ninja powers is looking for what's alive in you and getting to put words to it so that you're able to communicate that and claim that. Um, so if that is you send me a DM at Nadra Razak on Instagram and I will put together a wait list of anyone who's interested. So when I have a date, possibly sometime in October after the school holidays, inshallah, um, I can then let you know when that will run and we can probably have maybe an afternoon session or an evening session, depending on you know whether it's easier for you when the, if, if you've got kids and they're at school or um, if it's easier for you to show up um, at night once either the kids go down to bed or you can have some babysitting if you've got kids and you've got to make yourself available. So that is it for this episode. Inshallah, we will be back next week for another beautiful episode of the Your Truth is Calling podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If this episode moved you and touched you in any way, please leave us a review, share share this episode with a friend and definitely connect with our guests so you can be in there world as well. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.